Hello and welcome to the original podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, from the YouTube channel known as Inside of Mind. And my co-host today is Eric Nielsen from the YouTube channel known as The Looney Turtle. Hello, everyone. Glad to have another episode. So uh, today with us is a person who has exploded onto the scene in the horror community, Barely Sociable. Hello, hello. Welcome, man. Yes, welcome. <laughs> yes. I think the first question I want to end up asking you is, are you really barely sociable? Or are you ki- kind of sociable? Yeah, because you're, uh. you, you're talking to two people, and we didn't really have to prod you much. You know? Not only that... I've seen some of those vlogs at PAX. You seem to be doing okay at speaking to other creators and everything like that. You know, you know? on the outside, I look <laughs> fine. But on the inside, uh, I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, <it's, laughs> but, uh, on the inside, I got some so real problems. The name, the name, Barely Sociable, is like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not super outgoing. But if there's like a group, like, if I go to hang out with people that are like-minded and you enjoy their company, I'll obviously talk. Um, mm-hmm. But generally speaking, like if I'm at the gym, I don't talk to anyone. If I'm like, yeah. if I'm, you know, going to get food, I don't go out of my way like to be social. I, I have mm-hmm. a few close friends, but um, as far as the name, I just kind of picked something random and I didn't expect <laughs> anything to happen out of it. So, but yes, somewhat true, but not, entirely life-defining um but it's good for memes right yeah yeah exactly i'd say i'm kind of in 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 that area where um i could actually speak to a lot of people in person but i could only do it in like small doses before i'm like oh this is a bit too much need a bit of break and yeah definitely kind of just yeah you're an introvert kind of what i go for yeah that's that's pretty much me (laughs) um uh, anyway obviously talking about the packs um I actually want to talk a little bit about that with you because um, I was debating on whether or not I was going to go. So you were you were deciding on going and you didn't end up going? Yeah, I was going to end up going and, and meeting you guys, but um, it was. I think the main problem was just that it was so it was so close when it was announced. So I just, yeah. I just didn't feel I'd have enough time to actually um, prepare for anything. And um, I'm planning yeah. to go to VidCon this VidCon's year. So if one. anyone's yeah. Yeah, but it's um, I am wondering on whether or not it'll actually go through, and you know, and people will actually it it'll be hosted, or if it'll get called off because of the coronavirus kind of spreading quite quickly. I mean, we didn't. I don't know. I, I've here. I've I'm seeing all those headlines about that. I know that's one of our talking points for later. But um, <laughs> but like a coronavirus. Uh, I hate to say this because there have been families affected to a certain degree, but like, mm-hmm. wasn't there like a bird flu or some shit like a while back? Like, yeah, it, 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 see, I was, I'm almost desensitized to it. Like, or I don't, I want to take it seriously. And like, I really respect what, if something bad has mm-hmm. happened to someone, but like, I don't know. Maybe it's a conspiracy theory. We do <laughs> get these a lot. Yeah. Um, no, I, I get what you mean there. Cause if you read a lot of the comment sections of, of the coronavirus stuff, it is full of people insanely paranoid about yeah. you know like going to the to the extremes of of, of something like this like um it, it'll they'll start making conspiracy conspiracy theories like china is hiding the numbers of how many people are actually infected but to yeah. me I, all i'm thinking is when they say that is doesn't that decrease the the threat of it because 
I don't know, like 80,000 people are infected, 2,000 oh. people have died. Yeah. But if more people have been infected, but yet the same death rate is still there, then that means it's it's not as lethal as China's been telling us. I mean, um, the news always looks for something new to, you know, propagate fear because fear is the like, number one thing that gets us to... You know, take action, but I think we're we're treading into conspiracy territory, and yeah. I haven't done my research properly to like address anything on that. But um, no, I go ahead. I just wanted to obviously bring it up because uh, my thoughts on VidCon. Because I'm not necessarily saying it's because it's they close it because of it's a health threat. I think they close yeah. it because there's a lot of factors that go into hosting events like that. Like my Including dad, travel. for example, he yeah, yeah he my dad works at a tile company, and their main resources come from Italy and Italy is having like the big one of the biggest outbreaks of the coronavirus now and they're closing off the borders and things like that and so people don't want to travel in to collect the, these tiles and take them yeah. and ship and, them out because that's of... just you're cutting it you're cutting in and out um, oh sorry <laughs> maybe that's internet <laughs> you're you're cutting in and out I think it's discord right now um oh man that's okay. You're back. You're back. You're back. Continue. I heard okay. the tiles and everything like that. So people are not wanting to travel as a result or wanting, you're getting exports that are getting delayed. Um, you know what I saw yeah. on Wall Street Bets? It's funny you should mention that. This guy mm -hmm. just did like, it, do you know what Wall Street Bets is? Um, uh, I can no. explain it for you. Okay. Yeah, so for it's essentially like a trading, it's like 4chan, but for like trading stocks, right? So mm -hmm. they revel in you losing as much money as you as much as making a ton of money so basically like it's oh my god you just made like a thousand bucks on a call for like a, a certain stock and they'll be like you pussy you know like uh, and you lost money and they'll be like go lose it all like you're not a man unless you do that basically so that's what that whole culture is about so some okay. guy he's he's called wall street bet god right and because of the coronavirus he literally put his entire IRA into like Tesla a week ago and he made like $8 million from uh, calling Tesla. And that's really risky because you risk your entire IRA. And then he's doing the exact same thing with puts on all of the travel companies right now um, with American Airlines, Carnival Cruises, because all of the fear that's being put in from the, the coronavirus. So it's definitely a ballsy move, but it makes sense in the short term for like travel um, companies, they, their stocks go down. Corona even went down as a result of yeah. all of this, even though they have nothing to do with any of it. Um, the entire stock market went down, but yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's we definitely talking, interesting. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. I was say we were definitely talking about the Corona beer um, going down, going down in sales. And I was, I was always connecting that to a superstition kind of thing, you know, where people, um, are scared if they attach themselves to like a word that is associated Bad. negatively that yeah they suddenly think oh i'm i'm gonna get it if i talk about this like if, yeah, if like, they mentioned the word cancer that they yeah. think that it's gonna they're gonna get cancer because they mentioned it like yeah speaking of cancer i was gonna bring this up tomorrow oh. if if the cure for cancer was found and it was called onision it probably wouldn't do very well um, <laughs> just for the name <laughs> but yeah. i digress uh Anyways, <laughs> getting back on track. Yeah. We're talking about PAX and VidCon. Yes. But go ahead. No, go go. I, I'm curious to hear some of you. Have you got any nice stories that happened while you were at PAX? Because I obviously wasn't there, and I only got to see, like, the highlights that uh, Nexpo uploaded and Lowy as well. So 
Um, I, I've got dirt on all of them. Um, oh, perfect. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with let's go through the litany of impressions of meeting everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Mudahar is way taller than I thought he was. He's a super new, super nice. He's a super nice dude. Um, he's uh, was incredibly interesting to me. He got totally plastered the first day. Um, I remember as well, like I felt really bad for him because he missed his flight because of TSA. And mm-hmm. then after that, he had to buy an entirely separate flight. TSA screwed him over um, for some profiling. I forget what the entire story was. He got in super late. He was kind of bummed out. Then he got drunk and then he passed the fuck out. He, he went really hard. Um, and then... Oh, yeah, he was cool though. Definitely not yeah. what I anticipated. I thought he would be short because I only saw like his top, like <laughs> for his him at his desk, you know. Yeah. Um, and then who else? Nexpo, super cool dude. Um, like I said, he was putting everything together. He was pretty busy the whole time. Me and him talked a lot about videos, content. Um, so it was definitely enlightening. But he was. He kind of like progressively, you could tell he was like just burned out over the weekend or he started getting quieter and quieter. Um, but <laughs> he had fun. Um, he was super cool to meet. Let me see. Everyone is a lot like their online persona. I will say when you talk to them over Twitter and um, no one seems to be fake in that regard. Like if you've interacted with Nexpo or you interacted with Muda, that is them for the most part on the in, in real life. Um mm-hmm. Loie was super sweet. She's super nice. Um, she gave me a lot of insight into like the world of like makeup gurus and stuff like that. And like kind of the drama that we see on um, YouTube. And cause she's met a lot of the people that have been in and around that. She was super nice to me. Uh, who else was there? Max. He didn't say too much to me. Super cool. Nonetheless. Um, he was quiet. He was very quiet. Um, but that's because he was watching hentai the whole time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he was very engaged. Yeah. He, he was a... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so then who else was there? Um, we also had um, Night Docs. Great oh, yeah. for memes. Super fun, dude. Um, it's really weird meeting him in person after my Hotel Zaza video inspired him to make his YouTube channel. And he talked about that on your podcast before. Um, yes, he did. So... He gave that side of the story. He's uh, like this responsible adult um, amongst all of his children while we were there. And let's see. I'm going to feel bad because I'm leaving someone. Jorge, super chill go. dude. Super chill dude. Um, me and him played Super Smash Brothers. I kicked his ass. I'm just kidding. It was 50-50. <laughs> but um, he was there. I hung out more with him than any of the other people just by circumstance. Because uh, he lived, or he lived, he stayed at the hotel next to mine. Okay. And yeah, and I got to know him probably better than anyone else there. He was, um, it's interesting because he's been in the game for a while and seeing his channel grow and going through the adpocalypse and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, it, me and him share a similar philosophy about like YouTube and production value and like really wanted to make projects um, that are like Lamino style. Um, yeah, we, we've talked a lot about, he lives actually very close to me, um, in California, but he, he's a super cool, I know I'm saying this about everyone, but I really have nothing mm-hmm. but nice things to say about that whole group of people. And I'm missing someone. I know I'm missing, missing someone. 
Um, who else was there? I'm trying to go. I'm trying to go through the list, but I can't. I can't think off the top of my head. I, um, let's I'm see. Tr- trying to picture them all. You said Loey, Nexpo, Muta, Night Docs, um, Max. Max. Jorge. Was, was that all? No, there was one more. Is there one more? Uh, I feel horrible if there is actually is one more. <laughs> I'm not. I no. actually will. I'm gonna. <laughs> no, I will feel. I'm th- I'm, uh, you didn't even go. I'm gonna uh, feel terrible too. I know, but I still should remember because I witnessed it from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I feel like I should at least have an idea. Oh man. All right, let's let's. There'd be like a picture somewhere. Yeah, let's go on Twitter and then. Yeah. Have a look around, see if we can see anything. Um. Oh no, it was Max's friend was there. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then uh, Max's friend, the Post Malone guy. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Now. He was. Now he was, I remember. Yeah. Ah. Hmm. <laughs> he was quiet, uh, but yeah. I didn't talk to him too much. I guess he was a friend of Max, and he just tagged along. It was super cool of him just to serendipitously come, and uh, yeah, he fit right in. Uh, he, a lot of people have like at least witnessed YouTube from the you know, outside where they've seen this community in our little niche. And I like that we, we have no drama. We're just chill. Everyone just wants to make money. Um, everyone just wants to make good content. And uh, yeah, I'd say in terms of going to PAX and like what I got out of it though, it was really just fun just to talk with people that are doing the exact same thing as you. We've gone through like uh, creating content, dealing with criticism, you know, like, it's just a really like I understand why they do those like streamer houses or YouTube houses because you actually get way better when you can kind of put yourself in that community outside of just like Twitter and stuff like that and like I love to like sit down and edit a video with like Jorge or something like that and see his process and how it compares to mine because it's one thing to like show someone like hey can you check out my video before I post it Mm -hmm. as opposed to like actually collaborating on something because most collabs you know are just like hey can you send me some audio real quick you know uh here's your script here's everything but yeah enough about my my rambling i know i'm rambling right now but (laughs) (laughs) that's the perfect thing for a podcast though you ramble for like an hour and then you say goodbye yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's just kind of you know sit by and uh listen (laughs) i like um night docs's philosophy though when it comes to collaborations because he wants to be a part of it like officially he was talking about how he did it with that chapter on this podcast of all things when when, when he went to about collabs I listened to that that whole I listened to that whole podcast just you know. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah, I really do. I, I like that idea. So every time now, if, pe- if people come up to me for collabs, I feel like I I, I would kind of want to do that route of I you know participate in it rather than just reading off some lines that someone sent me or at least try to you know that do the best I can because um, yeah I know if anyone's like me. When they're wanting to do a script, they get so invested that most of the research is pretty much done. So when you're kind of reaching out to someone to collaborate with, it, there's not much else they can yeah. they can find. So um, but it, it, that is if it, yeah, it, go on. Sorry. In our niche, it, it really is just about crossover audience building. Like mm-hmm. um, when I first started my channel, I wanted to collaborate with people that were going to build my audience that have similar audiences as well. So. If you go through on YouTube and you see who was watching your content, like 
um, like barely sociable viewers also watch this, right? Yeah. You show up, Frederick Nudson shows up, Lamino shows up, which is way too cool. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Nexpo, Rainbot. Yeah. Um, so basically everyone that I'm already plugged in with um, watches my content and watches them. So when I saw that immediately, I was like, okay, I need to collab with Nexpo. I need to collab with Rainbot. I need to collab with Scare Theater and Scare Theater never talks to anyone. So that, I, I've yet to hit that one, but you're on that list too. You get there. Um, oh, but I'm privileged. <laughs> it's it, it's the the culture uh, vulture list where I just go steal a bunch of, you know. Uh, but makes sense, just like I do to you. Well, <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> well, it's smart. How Satoshi? <laughs> yeah, it's smart yeah. to upload a video about Satoshi when I upload a video about Satoshi because you can get those recommended views pushed over. Every time Nexpo upl- uploads a video, what do you think the top video is that's recommending mine? So Mm -hmm. this is a smart meta decision regardless, and it benefits everyone. You build a stronger community, everyone, you know, there's nothing that is to be lost from that. Does that make sense? Um, Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. But so now that I'm like plugged in, um, I think it is weird though to to switch narrators on a brand new channel, Um, but... It's a little hard, yeah, it can be jarring. Do you find it hard to write people into scripts? Yes, because they're different personalities. So trying to word it in a way or even make make a nice segue as well can tend to be hard. Yeah. Because um, you could just... Uh, I, I really don't know how, how exactly I, I plan to do it with a few some of the collabs that I have planned. Um, I guess I it, it, the best thing I, I'm thinking of right now is trying to not necessarily have them as narrators but get them doing something else um i can't i'm trying to kind of word it in a way without giving away what i'm actually doing for my next project that i'm collabing with someone on um i kind of like those youtubers that um i I don't know if it's similar to what you're going to be doing but mm -hmm. the there are some youtubers who when they do a collab uh they pick a similar subject um and then the two videos that lead into each other of it, like it's it's made by the host of the channel yeah. and then they're like hey also this guy did a video on this uh similar subject too you should go check him out and it's like two sides of the uh the same coin but it's their um, their perspective where they're covering yeah 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 you think well, um, it, more like the about. the variation mm-hmm. on the subject so you're ref- like um sorry uh, i forget i know i know which one you're talking about atrocity guide did that with next book. yeah yeah, yeah, Nexpo and Atrocity Guide did that. Um, yeah, which I, I think is a clever way to to collab because that that separates the two, but you're still technically doing a collab. What I was kind of thinking of doing was having like me being the narrator in my video, but then I have the person I'm collabing with go out and do something. If they, ex- you know, if the, if there's an experiment I need to to add to the investigation, I get them to go and do it. Yeah. Um, or if there oh, is an interview. Oh, that kind of reminds. Go on, sorry. <laughs> that that kind of reminds me of uh, something that Captain Dissolution did for a while ago with Smarter Every Day. Okay. Um, like Captain Dissolution was making a video to debunk like the uh, effects of something. Yeah. And to get more of a thorough explanation on the science behind something, he was like, "Oh, actually, here's here's a quick segment from uh, Smarter Every Day." Yeah, that's and I know you're referring to. Yeah. Um. So that is what we call uh, lead-in content. So like, um, it. 
it primes people to like a let, let's say for example like um I mean, like Veritasium has done that as well. Vsauce has done that between their two channels. Um, a lot of the science community does that. But it's interesting that Captain Disillusion, a film channel, would do that. Um, because he's like a video editor who debunks like a lot of stuff, correct? Um, yeah. He, he, his production value is way too high, dude, for all, all things. <laughs> oh, but it is, it is yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it is great. There's, yeah, there's a few that's like that when it comes to their production value. Yeah. Um, I've been wanting to get Lamino on this podcast because I would love to just speak to him about just what he what he does to put in his he, how much yeah dude time that, he puts into that. He work. never talks to anyone. He's so he aloof. Does it, does he? Yeah. Um, I know. He, he, he's done him. one collab <laughs> with uh, Kurtz Kazat, but they're like they're like god tier content creators. Uh, they are. Yeah. The, yeah. The amount of money that goes into a Kurtz Kazat video is so much more then like lamino is just him and he doesn't do brand deals he doesn't do he's just a purist he's kind of like frederick in that way frederick's a bit of a purist um yeah i can see that frederick says that like he's talked to me privately he doesn't like to talk a lot online um he doesn't like to um do brand deals because he doesn't want to taint his image and i I really Mm -hmm. respect that i mean but on the topic of brand deals as a whole i just did my first one and oh. and it did get this. My video got demonetized, mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> it's done really well in terms of response. But you can see that it's not getting pushed into recommended, and it's not getting shown on the homepage. The main traffic is coming from um, channel pages. So okay. demonetization a hundred percent affected that. So I'm probably gonna have to reach out back to them because we have a two part contract, right, with like, or agreement. Yeah. And I'm gonna be like, hey, look, I'll promote you guys a third time or something like that. Um, because when you have like what's frustrating with YouTube is brand deals are great, dude, because it allows you to sit back, make a longer video, not worry about getting it demonetized. Well, except for the views. And (laughs) then you can know you're going to make money. And it's so beneficial for the creator to be able to maintain creative control. But on the same time, it does seem to like you want to get them results. So they'll want to come back and, advertise with you again right so when that video got demonetized i felt really guilty not because i didn't make an like because i made more money on that video than any of my other videos but regardless it's like now i feel shitty because you want to maintain that relationship you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. and part of being a doing a good brand deal a lot of creators just talk about you know securing the bag or whatever but in reality if you you can make so much more money by, cause I've been on the other side of things by getting them good results and doing a good shout out for them. Um, that it's so like, um, what's the word you, you have to have a product that you believe in like raid shadow legends that in and of itself is a terrible company to promote. Um, I think <laughs> a lot of people know that, but yeah, if you're trying to get them good results that you have to sacrifice your ethics as a creator to essentially mm-hmm. get them results. Correct. Um, yeah. Have you worked with them? Have you worked with them? I haven't, but I've got many emails asking me to work with them. Dude. The thing is with, with my yeah. sponsorships, I try to have something that I can segue into that. It doesn't feel too jarring. So like audible, I think is perfect because perfect. my videos yeah. are just like, my my videos are kind of audio books that people t- probably listen to while they play a game or or, yeah. or do something else. Um, 
And then what was the other one? Skillshare, easy because I think I can. That's um, a great. Th- there's product, many dude. things I could learn to for that specific video f- from either After Effects, Photoshop, or or something. And then I can say that's what I was working on, and I learned it on Skillshare. Or um, a VPN is good because a lot of the times there's a lot of shows that are available on different streaming services and things like that. Uh, that are not available in either my country or the US. And I tend yeah. to talk about th- those kind of things and I have that mixed audience. So I can always be like, well, you can check them out here. I did it with yeah. the War of the Worlds video I had. I was like, um, if there's a War of the Worlds uh, series that just came out at the same time I made this video, but it's only available in the UK. Most people are watching me from America. So you guys yeah. can use the ExpressVPN and there you go. It's... Um, I'm not sure about any other sponsorships where if if they would fit, but those are the three I know yeah. that would I definitely look out for. Yeah. It's especially nice to see um, when a YouTuber finds a sponsor that they believe in. Yeah, because um, then like the the promotion is all the more genuine, and yeah, you can tell that they're passionate about the project rather than just reading from a script. Yeah, and, and I think you can tell the the robotics from like. The, um, some people like who do Dollar Shave Club shout outs and stuff like that. Like they don't even have a beard or they don't even shave, <laughs> you know, like and I'm not saying you have to have a full grown beard, but like, you know, maybe you should have some stubble and, or if you're going to do a promotion for them, don't focus on the shaving aspect. Focus more on like the, the toiletries they send you, you know, like mm-hmm. butt wipes or yeah. whatever they send you. I think was one of the things they, they <laughs> like, but like if you're a comedy channel, that's it's still a good product. And they yeah, still believe in it. They just don't use it. But at the same time, I don't know. There are certain things like Raid Shadow Legends, uh, you know, that are designed to get whales onto their platform to milk them for microtransactions. And mm-hmm. that in and of itself is a predatory practice that EA has capitalized on with their FIFA um, series. Um, we've seen it just, you know, time and time again. The, the games, I never played Raid. I never want to play Raid. And then they have the audacity to go on Twitter to say something like, let me pull it up. They said, I retweeted this the other day. Hold on. It's right oh. It says, Raid Chat Legends. Hi there. We do not sponsor. It. sponsor. We co- cooperate only with those YouTubers who play our game and want to be our influencers. We do not pay money for it. Like, what? Literally in the headline of their emails, they'll put how much money they're going to pay you. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they tell me that before I even respond to them. It's crazy. They just dangle money in front of your head. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's completely absurd. And it, if you know marketing, you should understand what's called the customer acquisition cost. So, And then there's a lifetime value cost. So let, let me explain. So if Raid Shadow Legends can pay 50 bucks to acquire a customer, right? And that's not unheard of because the more customers you acquire the more expensive it gets because they become more saturated to your advertising correct so then um their lifetime value must be so high on the average person that they're making more than 50 dollars per person that signs up on their platform average so you're gonna have people who spend nothing and you have people who are whales and those whales offset that um so far that they can go buy twenty thousand dollars worth of advertising every single day and get, you know, however many people to sign up. And they know in a month from now, they're going to make back, you know, if they spent 50, they're going to make 100 for every person that signed up. That's how marketing works on a mass scale with those people. And that's why they're able to dominate advertising campaigns. And they're going to fall out of favor soon. Because once people have heard about it and it becomes memed, you kind of know mm-hmm. you're, you're near the end. 
And I think that company yeah. is going to either rebrand and relaunch, but um, that's how, like, you remember the Legend 27, like, advertisement for Game of War? I don't, what's that? Game of oh, War was an, another mobile game. And basically, what these companies do is they rebrand, they get a successful ad campaign, and they figure out a microtransaction solution to get the most lifetime value out of people, and then they restart over and over again. And oh. what you guys need to understand too is like those games you, you ever seen those really weird advertisements on um instagram that are like games that are like hyper casual like you go down a water slide and oh like yeah 90 percent of people can't touch pink color and like whatever the caption um is it makes no sense with the video so that's a company called voodoo and they are an advertising camp company that specializes and they've literally dominate the app store right Mm-hmm. And as far as their integration with these mobile games and these sponsors is what they do is they study um, player behavior. So if you notice they're running advertisements, I know this is like a complete tangent, but hopefully it's somewhat interesting, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So they, <laughs> they actually are owned and they got like a hundred million dollar investment from Goldman Sachs, I believe. Let me double check that. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me pull that up. Um, Voodoo. So what they do is they take non-gamers, basically, and they turn them, they introduce them to these hyper-casual games because everyone has a smartphone now um, with these ads because they're not profitable up front. And then they retarget them later on with some game that is a microtransaction cash cow. Um, basically, the idea is to take non-gamers, turn them into somewhat casual gamers, and then turn them into whales. That's what... Um, I actually plan on doing a video on this topic, but it's definitely interesting to see how marketing plays into something as simple as like, we know these games are shit, but who's spending all this money on it, you know? Mm -hmm. And clearly it's a multi-million dollar industry, but I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Total tangent. Total tangent. (laughs) Well, when you mentioned Game of War, it literally instantly rang a bell. I had a friend who was absolutely obsessed with that game. I think it was back in 2015 or something. He was actually my ex-partner when i worked on youtube yeah um and yeah i would pretty much when i tell the story of how i used to work on youtube and and i had this guy and he i did all the work but he didn't do anything when he wasn't doing anything while i was putting everything together he was playing on that game like he was absolutely obsessed with it i Um, i i used to be a waiter right and i remember mm -hmm. this guy came in with his wife and three kids and i waited on them he did not he this was right around the time one of those games is popular and his wife was apologizing profusely for her husband's behavior and he never looked up once from when i went to go order like to take his order and uh she paid for everything she took care of the kids and he didn't get off his phone the whole fucking time dude no pardon my language but he he was so invested in that um and you can only imagine how much money he spent on it and yeah. the wife's face said it all. Like she was so pissed off at him, <laughs> but um, it shows that people become so invested. Like if you want to go take a course on something, right. And you pay money for that. You're now invested in it. When you spent mm-hmm. a lot of money on a game, you want to do better every time you spend more money because you feel that dopamine rush or whatever. And yeah, it's the, the sunken cost file. Exactly. Policy. Exactly. And it's just about getting them to, to tip 
you get that tipping point. So things are cheaper even like to start. Tinder works the same way. Um, I don't know if you know this. Tinder, uh, um, basically, what they do is they will um, give you a bunch of matches to start. And then as it like you, they know you're using the, the software, right, to try and find a date or whatever, they will then make it more, um, they won't show your profile as much. And if you stop using the app, it'll give you more uh, matches again. So the entire system is designed to turn you into a cash cow. That's how microtransactions work. And yeah. when they track your um, usage, like they have access to like your phone usage and how much you're spending on the app or other apps. If they see you're not using it, they need to send you a push notification to get you back on the app. So there's all these timed things to get you into their sales funnel. And uh, apps are predatory as is. Whatever the, um, like, you know, whether it's dating, whether it's uh, mobile games, anything on your phone is trying to get money out of you. The Apple store. Anything on the internet pretty anything, much, yeah. Anything in the world <laughs> is trying to get money yeah, out of you. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, it, it's one of the biggest problems, I think, online at the moment, just the algorithms for Google, Twitter, YouTube, the fact that the, it's just so sinister with the more you think about it, that they are well, designed to keep people on there as long as possible. Yes. It is it, it is obviously understandable, but at the same time, you just think, how how is that going to play an effect in like 10 years' time, now that people are more, more than ever using the internet and yeah. are yeah. more than ever probably, you know, going in certain corners because Google's showing them what they want to see and same with YouTube and et cetera. It's just... Yeah, one more advertising thing before we move to the next point. Because yeah, yeah. So machine learning in and of itself for advertising, like uh, when you run advertisements on Facebook, you can actually upload your customers. And um, so if your customers, you can actually sort by who's worth the most money to you. And mm -hmm. the, the learning out... or the once you have a source audience, it can then extrapolate all the data they have on Facebook on to create more people that look like your customers. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it uses your source audience, takes all of their data points, what they like, how when they use the app, where they're located, their age, and then it creates an audience of 2 million people usually, if you have 1% is like the custom audience lookalike. So it's a mm -hmm. lookalike audience. And what's crazy is that you can actually... If you're a mobile game advertiser, you then take those whales and you can like even do advertising campaigns to push them to the next level. So like, let's say one person spent a little bit of money, but they didn't spend a lot, spend a lot. So you have one ad mm -hmm. campaign for people who are spending a ton of money on the front end because you know that'll be profitable. And then you have one advertising campaign to retarget the people who spent a little bit to try and push them over the edge to get to that sunk cost fallacy. So you might have like a deal or something like that, like yeah. um, get 50,000 silver for $1 if you buy right now. So then they're more invested and it's just about every angle of your sales funnel needs to extract more money from them. Marketing is such a skeevy thing that I got it's out of. so evil. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's, it's it's a definite rabbit hole. I, I definitely uh, love to do the dark side of marketing as like a video. Oh, but, you should. That's yeah. honestly, it's such a fascinating topic. I I, I know I just like yelling how evil it is, like <laughs> Mermaid Man, but um, it's yeah. it is so 
interesting well, that's <laughs> when it my comes background. to anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I can definitely see that. <laughs> I love that stuff, man. I was like, how do I get more money out of people for a while? But <laughs> then I was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah. What's our next talking point? I know we got, we got all over the place. Well, I know we've gone a little bit all over the place, but that's that's what we're here for. Um, well, well, before we go on to the next topic point, I just want to touch you quickly. Um, ask you, do, did you hear about YouTube's uh, system they're trying to do for demonetized videos? That they're trying to... Separate? Um, ha- no, they're trying to have adult adverts on demonetized videos. You like know, por- I think this like is... porn ads? Like, I wait. have no idea. It just said uh, more mature content, let's say. Um, so That's smart. I think it's because of the whole, you know, copper thing came up. And they were like, well, you can't monetize kids videos anymore so they're thinking ah shit probably gonna have to find another source of income and so they're probably thinking demonetization videos now so that way hopefully if they they i think they're testing it out over the past over the next few months but if that works then that could be uh game changing in a sense because those demonetized videos yeah yeah yeah, exactly and demonetized videos won't mature content will be coming back and they also um they're also planning on implementing something called applause, which is basically a super chat for just ordinary videos. So you, I think it's like you can just give it's basically giving YouTubers a bit of a tip. If you enjoy like a video, you can just send them two dollars or something like that. Does it display um, it publicly? I don't think it displays it publicly. I think it said it does it. Um, privately, so you, you they can still send you a message with it, but only you see it. Um, That's awesome. And so, so I think they, yes, people will be just coming across a video if they like it, they can just drop a tip, like here you go. But obviously, YouTube's calling it an applause. So imagine if that happened, and then also this demonetized ads start coming in. You know, mature ads start playing for demonetized videos. Yeah, mature content could see a um, an increase. Over yeah. the next year, if that actually happens, um, I'd love to see so, that. I mean, I think we're we're definitely you can't be too kid friendly. You can't be too um, like too mature. And I think it's stupid to even have the demonetization system because all it takes is you just going through and requesting manual review and re-uploading the video with a new signature over and over again until it gets yeah. monetized. It's a stupid system. It's because you can get any video technically monetized. And the only reason my last one got demonetized is because I was going on vacation and I didn't want to think about it. Um, but I can't re-upload it now. Oh, actually, no. It was. Th- this is what happened. The video started green for a day. I upload. Yeah. I published it and went yellow and then got confirmed. So I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's stupid that that's the system is just taking as much time to re-upload the video to get monetized. And then sometimes yeah. you still can't control it. It's frustrating. And even yeah. that, there's a lot of people who just kind of keep the first minute or two clean, and then they just kind of talk about all the stuff they want to, because most people who review it don't actually review those extra parts. Um, yeah. And yeah, then they get away with it. It's so it's it's kind of stupid as it is, because I think YouTube only gives them like a few minutes to review an entire video. Um, well, I mean, so. that's that's broken. <laughs> it is yeah. it is broken and not yeah. to mention um did you ever see nerd city video on that where they did like an uh, analysis on auto um, words the, the words that auto demonetize I, yeah yeah exactly and yes. and he brought up an interesting point that 
the people who review this stuff are scattered around the country, uh, oh, uh, yeah. the world. And so they have a, each person that could be reviewing, yeah, they have different biases, different beliefs. So if they, if someone from... And in some know. cases, different laws. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So Yeah, so like weed could be completely illegal in one area where the reviewer is. Like, um, like alcohol is even, what's it called? Where not alcohol like, not allowed in certain countries? Like... Um, United Arab United Arab Emirates is that it? Uh, I'm gonna sound like an idiot here, but it might be, it might be somewhere. It's one of the Middle Eastern countries that alcohol is illegal. Like you can go to jail for it. So like if they see someone you know in a vlog drinking, they're probably gonna demonetize that. If you know, it, it's just mm-hmm. like their biases, especially when it comes to like um, uh, LGBTQ. Right? I know that's a yeah. huge one for for certain countries. But yeah, it's it definitely, definitely interesting to think to to think about who is actually reviewing this. Like, dude, the creator support is such a joke, dude. It is such a joke that they, like, <laughs> they outsource people from, like, and they're super friendly. And I'm getting on a tangent here again, but my point is they're, so, like, they're making so much money. How is this not that hard to implement? Like, how is it that hard to review, not review videos, but to, like, review channels, to have dedicated teams for this kind of thing? There has to be a way where this system pans out and works like they're making enough money to hire people why haven't they done it um that's where it it bugs me i don't know it's Um, a hard thing to say because it is youtube actually profitable or is it making enough money to do so because i remember when um they had to obviously release how much they were earning back in something like 2015 when it was really taking off they weren't profitable they were only just breaking even due to all the servers they were backing up and then they haven't really released anything since i assume they've maybe started making profit now but if it is i can't see it being too high considering i think me and eric looked up something about google's profits and one of their biggest fallbacks was youtube um when it came to ads um yeah so Um, i I, i'm not actually sure if they are making enough money yeah, because um, YouTube has a lot of overhead that they have to pay for. Like oh, they're yeah. they're hosting all of those dedicated servers with terabytes upon terabytes of data. Actually, I think they they had to make a new measurement, a Googleplex. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Because they just are storing that much information oh, on their that's their insane. servers. Insane. Yeah. It's, well, it, I mean, it, yeah, it's like uh, a video has sixty frames in a second, sometimes thirty, mm. um, and then that is usually like. Of one minute, two minute video, it, it piles up. The information really piles get, up. Get this: twenty nineteen, they declined to say whether it was profitable or not. Um, oh. I know in the past it hasn't been profitable, but that's interesting that they declined to mention that. That I, just mm, that that I do find interesting because that me and Eric were trying to find that out, but there was no like no mention of how much they've yeah. actually made just recently. So maybe they want to keep up the the you know the the rumors maybe, that they're not making profit. <laughs> I mean, I understand. And they're just that raking in is, millions. <laughs> hosting um all those that video is insane. And yeah. getting all those videos reviewed is also an insane task. But to say it's Absolutely. not possible? No, it's it's, it's I, like I I think uh, go um, on. Like, why, like, there's such an easier fix to this problem. It's, like, yeah. Like why should we have to um, 
what's it called? If you could just get rid of the monetization as a whole, then you could lay off all of those outsourced people and save a ton of money um, continuously by just getting rid of that problem. And by having more videos monetized, in turn, you have more ad space, which makes advertising cheaper for um, mm -hmm. advertisers, which gets them more results, um, which gets them more ad plays. So it's a win-win for everybody because when you can increase the supply of advertising um, by creating everything as monetized, theoretically, except for a slight few things, advertisers then can reach more people. So yeah. when you have more people to reach, ad space, the price goes down because there's more supply. So I just, in turn, it makes, like the whole demonetization thing doesn't make a lot of sense to me because when you go on an edgy video, Brands don't give a shit, dude. Brands they don't care. They care about making money, dude. So I don't understand. Like you go on like the what was it, four hundred something million for the halftime show, and there's sex. You know, there's twerking. It's not sex. There's twerking. <laughs> there's scantily clad women, and it's like that is like one of the biggest pieces of advertising, and it's edgy. So mm -hmm. these brands that were boycotting YouTube in 2017, like. Don't care. So there's something up there with that whole oh. apocalypse. And I have a conspiracy well, theory if, about that that I posted. Uh, with that, I, I think it's very much that the brands wanted to take advantage. Yeah. Um, like by by pulling their ads from the website, that got them in the news. And all publicity is good publicity, especially when people think are calling for it. I don't even think yeah. it's that. I think the main problem is that once you pull away from YouTube – you can negotiate better rates. You can pretty much yeah. pull from YouTube yeah. and be like, well, you're promoting these racist platform, you know, these people. So if you want yeah. us to come back, we're going to have to pay less for our adverts. Dude, um, Dude let me, I tweeted about this too. Facebook, Facebook has had way worse incidents of monetized content. All right. They, they have their live stream function, which will sometimes play ads right next to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Facebook, live streamed the torture of a mentally disabled person who was kidnapped. Uh, they live streamed a mass shooting in Christchurch. They live streamed a woman who taped a toddler to her wall and tortured her on face and tortured the child on Facebook Live. Live streamed a gang rape. Live you're gonna get this video demonetized, sorry. Live stream a, a murder <laughs> slash suicide. This guy killed his child and then himself. Um, on Facebook Live, and advertisers don't say anything. But then PewDiePie makes a Nazi joke, and they have a problem. Like what? Uh, it's, there's something else. It was. I think what was really going on is that they were trying to negotiate, just like you said, and um, basically by everyone agreeing to pull ads. You notice that YouTube became the trending tab became almost immediately all TV right after that. So I wonder if there's some conglomerate up. Like if you if you call follow the paper trail of who owns like the Washington Post and like all these other brands that would have coordinated this, if that was like an attempt to make YouTube more commercial and more mainstream, so TV could integrate over, I don't know if that's the case, but it makes sense to me theoretically. But um, it, what doesn't add up to me is that they give a, there's these brands are all of a sudden becoming morally, um, you know, taking the high ground doesn't make sense at all especially yeah well um, it, it it's it's clear that they weren't taking the high ground they were just well one they knew that if they stayed with youtube 
um that gives the news a new headline it's like you know because they were they were adding coca-cola on twitter and stuff like that they're like are you supporting this racist platform if coca-cola refused to respond that's a new headline coca-cola supports yeah. racists um so yeah. they have to pull back until the stuff dies down but then they're also thinking oh we pull back rates can change but then um i think you're right in some sense that they uh there was some kind of personal attack towards YouTube to either make it something else because YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and all these others seem to be cooperating with a lot of the news outlets and, and things like that, whereas YouTube kind yeah. of wasn't at the time and it was its own independent thing. And it just, I yeah. just found it interesting that they chose to attack the most subscribed YouTuber ever in What's this particular attempt yeah the face of the yeah. platform if we can take down the face of the platform we can take down any of them and i th- i think it is yeah. the fact that anyone can upload there on youtube and become a star whereas anyone on facebook or twitter you're not really going to become a star unless if it's like a viral video but then most people will have forgotten you by next week um yeah whereas youtube it's... you have a chance to actually become your own thing without any rules yeah and that could be scary so to people who are already they're, up there they're threatened yeah there's a yeah. reason that they don't want pop there's no positive articles about youtubers um yeah. they're all negative and they're meant to bash in some way because in turn it can prop up you know the other side of content you have netflix stars you have um you know traditional hollywood and that's why i'm thinking to myself yeah who's the direct competition to YouTube, it's mainstream Hollywood actors, and then why would they boycott them unless they felt? You know, it, it seems to just something just seems off about the whole thing. I can't obviously make a direct assumption, but in mm-hmm. turn, I I, I I wholeheartedly think that there's some aspect of YouTube and mainstream media integrating, um, because you go on the trending tab in America, and it's a hundred percent Jimmy Fallon, uh, it's the Today Show, it's like all this news that barely like ESPN trends with like 50,000 views. It's ridiculous. It's um, it's manufactured. Um did you ever see uh Coffee Breaks video of that uh, analyzing I, I the trending coffee. tab in the US? Cuz I talked he, to Coffee Break. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, really? Yeah. Cuz they they're um Yeah, yeah. Over here in the UK, the trending tab is the trending tab. I mean, there might be odd news things that pop up, but most YouTubers and things like that appear on trending, but yet they don't appear in the US they they might appear in Canada but barely i don't think there's any uh youtubers that rarely pop up on the youtube trending tab in the US specifically yeah which i find interesting it's, it's definitely um it's definitely integrated here in the US more mm-hmm. so than any other out where it's censored um but it's definitely it's definitely that's uh i think everyone knows it it's just uh it's definitely mm. It's definitely sad to see them getting paid off, but I'm sure they're getting, yeah. uh, I don't know. Maybe that's I why they declined it's... to say they're profitable or not. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, because <laughs> that's where their main source of income comes from. Uh, yeah, I I don't know if I feel bad for them or, or not, because I think part of me wonders if, you know, they were, they were forced into the area that they've gone down now because... The, it, yeah. it did seem like more of an attack and uh, like when they implemented the demonetization section it didn't feel like they actually wanted it it was just to kind of appease the people who were 
attacking them more or, uh, more or less, which is why it's so poorly thought out and doesn't work half of the time and is pretty much pointless when, when you actually think there, about it. Have you ever noticed a video gets demonetized but ads still show up on it? Yes. Uh, like, uh, there's a theory. It's limited that ads, been... I believe. Well, I know there's limited ads, but like, um, there's a theory, and it's never been proven. Okay. But I'd love to see it investigated. Is that they use that to that demonetization actually made the the platform more profitable by you know, because uh, there's in certain instances where you'll upload a video, it'll stay green, and they'll get ads throughout the day right after it it, it was flagged. And mm-hmm. this is total conspiracy nonsense too, but like they're doing it to fraud clicks from creators because if you can tell them their video was too edgy, but still show ads on it and just not pay them. I mean, that's a sketchy. Oh, but I mean, I, okay. I see what you're saying. <laughs> I wonder if, I wonder if there's ever been instances of that because uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've definitely seen like, coca-cola ads on a demonetized video yeah the only thing i would say to that is if um you'd think youtube would keep the video going viral at that but you know keep it in the algorithm rather than cutting it off if they were doing that because yeah they tell they tell you that your video doesn't get affected when it's demonetized but it clearly does so that yeah. part they're clearly lying about. But if they were making more money and profitable because they actually still had ads playing on them, I would think that they would still let it play in the algorithm because then they can make even more money off of it. Yeah, that's I think that's more evidence I, against that, definitely. Yeah, um, I think um, the, big, the, the reason why we see ads and stuff playing on demonetized videos is because you are in the age group that is allowed to see those ads because it says... Yeah. It, I think the purpose of the demonetization video is that it doesn't play ads for people under the age of 18. But then if you're old enough, because it's edgy content, it does yeah. sometimes play ads for you. But but that's yeah. why it's limited. But, but there are also circumstances in which the copyright owner is, is making the money off of the video. Yeah. If it's um, copyright claimed. Is yeah. That... Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think like... It, Copyright claim demonetizes the video, and like an effect of that could be that they are profiting from it, like the copyright owner. Mm-hmm. So there's also that angle um, yeah. where the ads are still being shown; it's still on the video, but since the copyright owner owns like that one clip in scene five, they are the ones making the ad revenue. There should That's be like true. a royalty okay. option, like if yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, people might get carried away. Next thing you, you got to do is pay royalties on everything. But like, <laughs> honestly, a company can make a lot of money licensing out like music to creators that they really want to use in their projects if they're willing to figure out some system that wouldn't claim all the money. But like, hey, can I work out a five percent royalty on my video if I really want to use? Doesn't like, YouTube have some of that? They do on the for big creators right now, and it's definitely in its infancy. But it's something I'd love to see. Because um, it would allow people who are like musicians to gain more exposure on YouTube by like giving out competitive rates for their music. You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. a, a musician could just like let you. But if there's a function where you didn't have to talk to them, you just upload it, it gets content ID'd, and then you submit a request for like a 1% to 2% royalty, they get exposure. They make a little bit of money. You know, like something like that would be really interesting 
and then you get a little bit more creative freedom where you can draw in like uh like an audience of someone who likes a particular music or something like that in with your audience as well so there's more creative um spread there because right now we have royalty free everything and um i can't tell you how hard it is to find good music for like mystery videos because there are a couple good creators but it's not incentivized enough for those people to make actually high production things you know because they're not making a name for themselves in the sense traditionally they're just like like Muse, the only person that i know who does this traditionally um he's an artist that travels and tours and he makes copyright free music but um in the sense of like other creators i think that's a missed opportunity but I don't know. Well, let's go back I, to one of our ori- they, original topics. I think. After this. Sorry. But, yeah, um, ahead, well, before we do, um, I think that they do have that system for like song covers, and in the case of like Nintendo videos, because um, Nintendo's very picky about their copyright. So there's yeah. a system in place on YouTube that allows for profit sharing. Um, oh, really? Because like Nintendo will take like probably the majority of the profits, but they'll allow the creator to have some of the profits because they did make the video Um, or for covers, like somebody singing it or somebody uh, making a backbeat, but using the original um, lyrics, the original like singer, Um, like those types of situations can be profit shared. Um, I, I haven't really looked into it, but I do remember like seeing it on one of the videos of one of my, less but wouldn't popular it be, channels wouldn't it be cool if you could like go to a music video and then like go below it and be like lease this out for one of your youtube videos and buy rights to it like right then and there for That'd a profit be share so cool yeah yeah. Like, yeah and then you'd see a ton more um like traditional music inside of youtube that you know like in the hall of the mountain king is like a meme you know what i mean uh in the sense that like you, you use it when you want to build tension on a scene, right? Like, dun, 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 like that whole like build up. But then you have certain things that you just can't do that would be equally memeable, you know, from like, yeah, what is like bad to the bone, you know, that song. Like, there's tons of things that could creatively enhance the platform like that. But um, I digress. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good idea. We should, we should it run is. the platform. The play Susan. YouTube, get on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, YouTube does seem to be trying um, to help its creators now with that kind of stuff. Um, like I said earlier, with potentially having demonetized videos actually monetized. And the other thing I said, I forgot what was the other thing, but, you know, that as well. And Yeah, the, this the other well. thing, yeah. Yeah, yes. <laughs> exactly. Very memorable thing. Whatever it yeah, was, yeah, so, so memorable. Everyone, you remember it. We we remember. It's just we we want to keep the viewers on the toes. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. Anyway, Mister Mister Sociable, uh, I actually never got to ask this question throughout the podcast, but I I wanted to ask you what what got you into YouTube and what made you decide? Yeah, I want to make a channel dedicated around mystery. Um, not it just the, the shoe fits, dude. Um, yeah, it's basically I, I wanted to make like HAI informative videos when I was first starting out, like or company man product videos. And I made a few of them. Mm-hmm. And then I just saw there was more interest and more demand for this. So I and I thought, hey, look, I'm good at Googling stuff. So like I'll take that challenge on. And and then all of a sudden I'm like, hey, now that my video, my channel's got some attention, 
why not try and get better at it? So it's more of like, uh, just see how far you can go kind of thing with, with yeah. YouTube. I did it from just wanting to get a break from my other job. But um, I was doing some arbitrage, like I, I do private label on Amazon. And I still do a little bit. Um, but mostly like I would uh, do arbitrage there on Amazon. And that's what I was doing part time. And I needed another job. And I just had some extra time. So I just started working on it. And I didn't expect it to go so quickly, but uh, grow quickly. Like once I came back to it, because I made three videos, quit, came back to it in September, decided I wanted to be serious with it. I planned out how I was going to do the SEO. And mm -hmm. I thought of it like I did it because I wanted to make money. But at the same time, I, I always thought like, hey, if I can make some dope stuff and people will watch it and they're interesting, um, I just got to figure out what I was going to do. And um, I figured it out a little bit quicker. I don't think anyone really sets out perfectly. Like you got to be kind of haughty to think like you can just start doing anything and be good at it. You know, mm -hmm. you, you kind of figure out what you have a knack for um, based on your past skills and so on. So, yeah, I don't know. There wasn't like a basic intention, but then um, I kind of got dragged into it. I, I wouldn't even consider myself someone who really likes horror. Um no, that was another but question not... I wanted to ask you. Would you, would you really consider yourself as part of the horror community? Because that seems to be what people attach you to, but I wouldn't necessarily say your work is horror-related, similar to me in a, in a sense, where I wouldn't class myself as yeah. a horror community, but I kind of as, it's have interesting. been put in there. Yeah. I polled my audience, and I said, what do you like seeing content? Like, what type of content do you like seeing from me? Spooky? Or, you know, it, just anything I find interesting. 60% of people, I pulled this on Twitter and um, my community tab, 60% of people say that they just would watch anything I find interesting. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And then 40% of people say they like creepy content. So I think it's 60-40. Like some of my stuff is meant to... It's a little disturbing, but it's never meant to perturb the viewer. Um, if that is that the right word, but uh, um, so. disturb the viewer. It's mostly just meant to draw intrigue. I think suspense is way cooler than um, than horror per se. Like things that make you go, "Oh shit, that's that's terrible." <laughs> but but um, yeah, that's that's. I wouldn't consider myself a horror channel, um, no. but. I definitely have some components that bleed into it. Um, yeah, yeah, I I would say I'm I'm a, I'm in a similar boat with with my channel. I would say I'd say my channel probably leans towards mystery. That that seems to be the thing that I really enjoy more than anything else. A good mystery story, good something that has a rabbit hole to dive down and this this weird world yeah. of what it's connected to. And I to me I think that well, it doesn't. I guess it doesn't have the same ring to it, the mystery community. But um, well, internet, I think more of us probably, yeah, more internet mystery community. There you go. I think we fit yeah. that category. I mean, not just you and me. I mean, like most of us who are who have been associated with the horror community. I think fit that more than anything else. Even Nexpo. I know yeah. Nexpo f f uh, covers a lot of horror-related stuff, but I, I think he fits more mystery as well. And same way Night Dogs, I think, although I guess Night Dogs will yeah. probably be more true crime, maybe. Um, true crime. Sure. Well, that's a, that, I have a problem with internet mysteries because 
You cover okay. ARGs, and I, I was talking about this the other day. I said 99% of them are bullshit. And All right. The, what, I hate internet mysteries because 99% of the time, there's some legitimately interesting ones that are worth investigating. There's just sometimes some interesting stories that I'll cover too. But well, that's kind of we like ta- most things. It's it's like yeah, ninety nine percent of movies are probably shit. But then it's just that one percent that are really good and stand out. Yeah, but the hard part is when you have to make content consistently. You need topics. That's true. <laughs> but um, with this whole saga of like, um, like this next video I'm about to do is about the internet's first mystery, right? It's, I'll, okay. I'll say it right now. It's the Markovian parallax denigrate. And it's something that has been twisted so far that it says a lot more about how we as a community respond to things. Like mm-hmm. in my first video, Lake City Quiet Pills, I wasn't really brushed up on research. And I would have done a lot more research had I had more followers and so, and so on at the time. But I, I jumped to one of the more crazy conclusions. I didn't jump to it, but I suggested it like the coincidence that an assassination took place at this exact same time and it could somehow be connected. And, but in reality, I said it was just a coincidence and that's ridiculous. But to even throw that out there is enough to get more views. When you can tie it to something grander, even if there's mm-hmm. like the smallest chance that they're connected, that like internet mysteries thrive on speculation. So the bigger the conclusion you can come to that's this grandiose conspiracy Without sounding crazy, the more views you can get and the more sensational coverage it will get as well. Um, I think the reason that Lake City Quiet Pills was covered so much is the the assassination thing. That's the in- most interesting thing, but it has literally zero evidence to suggest it. So mm-hmm. um, that being said, when I looked into it further, I realized there's no connection. And a lot of internet mysteries was this big buildup for nothing. And like... I know this is generally speaking here. ARGs are nice because they're contained. You know you're watching an ARG. You know it's for the sake of entertainment. But when I have a problem with like when you try and present that as real. You know what I mean? Like you try and present an ARG as real. You know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, yeah, I get you. And you try and exacerbate, like exaggerate, <laughs> exacerbate, exaggerate just for the sake of making a better video. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's something we have to do at certain times um, because it, it you know, enthralls the audience of this grander connection. But in reality, when you're investigating things, if you find anything that's real, you have to report it to the police. Um, I've had to do that. You have to, like, um, the real stuff that is really disturbing is, is true crime. Internet mysteries have to walk the boundary of being somewhat realistic but somewhat fake you know what i mean i don't know that's a very vague explanation for what i'm trying to say but it's something i've i've run into as a problem for finding finding topics over and over again um mm-hmm. is because not every video can be a banger and i think you realize that after a certain point in time you know what i mean um, yeah yeah but i don't know what your th- what are your thoughts because you do arg ARGs. I so do well. ARGs. Well, my, my personal... Well, I say ARGs. I, I just kind of say that as a general thing because it's, it's just the easiest way to explain. I think when you start going into like every little bit, it just gets confusing for the person listening. But um, my personal interest is the is how people create this stuff more than anything else and how they yeah. balance that line between reality and fiction. And what I find even yeah. more interesting 
is the reaction of the audience to it, which is why I covered things like War of the Worlds, something that was a broadcast pretending to be real and then, you know, sending everyone into a panic. And uh, that I found fascinating, just the reaction back then. And then I also quite liked the extra element that some of it was exaggerated by the press and the media in in an attempt to take down radio, which is... In a similar way, what was happening back in 2017 with YouTube and the press trying to take down YouTube because YouTube was seen as like this new threat that was coming in with a completely different market for people. Um, and so, yeah. so I kind of find um, I, I find that kind of stuff online, these Internet mysteries, so, so to speak. But that, border, I, I lo- that borders reality, you know, that yes. my problem more or less is when. I have no problem, like a good internet mystery borders reality on being fake or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where, you know, certain instances or events like Lake City Quiet Pills, it borders that reality like, hey, maybe there was something perverted going on on this website. Um, yes. Aside from just like the assassination thing. But like for, like, don't hug me, I'm scared. You, you covered that. I love that kind of stuff because it's contained. Those, mm-hmm. are, it's like art. It's like your interpretation, and if you come up with a theory on it, that's an entirely yeah. different... It's not an internet mystery at that point. That's just like interpreting art and trying to create a cohesive narrative out of something, and that's fun, but it's not... What I have a problem with is when you make up shit to make a video better, and I think that um, when it comes to real-world internet mysteries, there's a lot of stuff that you cannot cover, and I've talked about this time and time again because it will affect someone, like a mentally ill person or... And yes. much of the weird behavior on the internet is the mentally ill. It's the, um, and if, and much of the real things that are going on, you don't make a video about. If something messed up is going on that's real, like World Corp, you know, we can discuss that one. Um, World Corp, for example, is, I believe, to be an edgelord who is trying to make an ARG out of, mm-hmm. you know, edgy content. But don't present it like it's real because that is something where it's, in and of itself, you're deceiving the audience to make a better video out of some. I, I Are you talking about the actual? Well, it's all right. Are you talking about the actual ARG disguising itself as real? You're talking about the people who cover that particular stuff as if it's real. Both. 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 Okay. My, because they're doing it for attention, and mm-hmm. then uh, other content creators have to, you know, like they know it's probably fake, mm-hmm. and they still put it out there. You know, okay, and this is something mean. that I, I'm even guilty of, you know, um, mm-hmm. with Lake City Quiet Pills. I'm just as guilty as this, but it's frustrating when you want to stick to creating. For me, I'm, I'm having an internal struggle with trying to stay w- away from the YouTube tropes because people appreciate authenticity. And yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what I'm trying to say? I, I know this is a very... I, I, get, I get what you're trying... <laughs> no, I, I get what you're trying to say. Uh, from my own thing is what what I was saying earlier is my kind of approach is that it is most like it is very clearly fiction fictional but my kind yeah. of telling is is how people respond to it and and I'm always exactly. just fascinated by by the actual creation of it is is what I'm saying and and I totally get what you mean when when someone kind of says I I, I stumbled upon this thing is it real is it fictional uh, well, well, they're not really even hinting at the idea of it being fictional. Um, 
Yeah. And kind and, of, of and string people along for the full video as if it's real, and then they kind of drop that it's, at the it's end, not And then real. at the end, they're like, oh, it's probably not real. Um, it, it's a waste of time in certain sense. Like, yeah. That's, with ARGs, what's fun, though, about ARGs is not knowing whether they're real or not. Um, Sorry, you cut out there. What did you say? I said the fun part about ARGs is not knowing what, like, playing an ARG is not knowing what's actually going on. Like mm-hmm. um, with Arota, we we kind of had a hint, but we were seeing this big hype, and we is it really this? Can it really be this? And it was the mm-hmm. Harry Styles thing, and we're like, oh shit, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and, and that, as cheesy as that is, that's a good payoff because you didn't expect it. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that sense of surprise and that twist that can be played on like a story-driven narrative. Like the other day, I have no interest in in ARGs typically. But one mm-hmm. popped out when I never expected one. So I'm like, okay, okay, you know, I see you. Um, I'm not happy about it because I don't like ARGs, but I'll, I'll shout you out. And I did that thread. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm I don't know. I think it's, yeah, have you checked that out? I don't think there's anything new I, to it. I've but. seen bits to it, but I, it was too early to call on what I, thi- what I think of it. But yeah, it's, I like the satir- sat- satire of, of taking the piss out of some rich people who do vlogs. It's always always going to tickle me a bit. Yeah. But what's hilarious is that she did such a good job because everyone f- believed it. Everyone believed that she was like, like if you look at the Leon Lush video yeah. on it, everyone's roasting her thinking she's, but if you take time to think, oh, this is an ARG and you see it in that light, you realize she's just acting. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's so, that's genius. I love it because they trolled people. I love it, um, mm-hmm. but it's that's it's not good art. It. That's good art, in my opinion. <laughs> that one works, you would say, because obviously that one was more trolling, but it was still pretending to be real. But it was it was trolling intentionally, people, but it wasn't trying to do anything. But like in the sense that, um, I guess that's a good point. It, whether there's intentional deception and playing a character from the start. Um, so these are two separate things, but for an ARG, what makes it good is not being able to tell if it's real and seeing people take the other side of things when you know, something's fake and then you string it along from the end as a content creator. What I mean more or less is when people talk about like the mattress firm conspiracy, right? And how you never see one that's busy and people make content about this and how they like, they'll title the video. This person proves this conspiracy theory. I was talking about this on my stream earlier. Like right. this person proves the long John Silver conspiracy theory. It's a like six minute video. Fair enough, not that long. But then they go into how this is a conspiracy theory. Have you ever seen a long John Silver's? It's packed. You know, no, no one, no one's ever. No, everyone hates that fast food place. So basically, that's the entire basis of it. Why did you waste five minutes going off on a tangent, just like I am right now? But um, mm-hmm. like, why did you waste my time as a viewer just to get to the end and say, oh, it's fake? That's the same yeah. thing I'm referring to. And why are you in conflating all the speculation with no found evidence? Like if you're going to do any of this, you know, um, but that shit gets views. That shit is like you, you takes five minutes to make those videos. They get views. And um, I don't know. I have a problem with how YouTube rewards that in, in a sense. I, I don't think it should be rewarded, but it's just mm-hmm. that's how us as humans work. But I'm totally ranting. Let's go back to our talking points. no no i'm i'm always interested by it because um obviously i i kind of cover these particular areas so i'm always interested in seeing certain people's opinions on it i try not to do that when it comes to 
alternate reality games because I I like to set up a bit of a mystery at the start, but I don't like to set up the the fact that this could be real. I try to make yeah make it pretty obvious that it it's fictional. Um, because yeah. I I tend to cover more paranormal stuff, so I it, in my own yeah. sense I hope that it's kind of clear that it's it's not real for the most part. Um, I think back. Yeah. I think a while ago, you know, like two years ago or something, when I was more starting out, I probably did something in that area where it was more of ooh. Um, oh, I did. Oh, wait, I no, did that too. Did I? I mean, the redditor's confession, <laughs> I still believe. Right. I, I actually, I haven't looked into it to find anything that would, like, there's definitely that could be a possibility. This guy with that video, I'm not going to go into detail for the sake of time. But Lake City Quiet Pills, I could have done better research, um, mm-hmm. and I could have not conflated it too much. Um, and that one I would take back, but it got me so many, but that got me views and that was an honest, honest mistake at that point. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It says a lot about how we respond to things because we're presented in a video and the, this video has a bunch of views, so it must be real. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. To... <laughs> <laughs> I was just Go going ahead, to end dude, on it saying... No, no, no. I was just going to end on it by saying that I think it's always down to the presentation of stuff. Like we were talking about ARGs pretending to be real, but there can be good ones that do it well, like the I Am Sophie one with, um, it's an intentional troll, but it's not, it's not setting it up to put anyone in danger or, or, or purposely mislead pe- people in a negative way. It's, it's for a bit of fun and yeah. kind of like a lot of trolling, um, but light-hearted uh so yeah, yeah that's that's kind of what i was trying to end on yeah. um to be <laughs> honest we... i don't think we've got m- many more talking points i think we got most most of them out of the way i guess one of them i just put was that you took a break on, from twitter <laughs> so i don't really know where i was uh, where i was expecting to go with that but you obviously obviously i think yeah just decided um, to kind of st- go away for a little while i was looking at the analytics for like a week um just leading up to my most recent video and mm-hmm. I just wanted to try it, and I was—I'm obviously cryptic about my entire channel. I do cryptic crap, so I just put the little scary. Uh, uh, I blacked out my social media, which is a bit overkill. But I, I really do feel like, like social, like Twitter in particular, is like such a time sink. Um, and when I live stream, um, I obviously don't get as much done, but at the same time, I have more fun. So I was just really like, all right, let's try this for a week. And, and lo and behold, I got a 46-minute video done in, in five days. So um, <laughs> yeah, that there's definitely – do you ever find that you just spend too much time on Twitter? Or Yeah, I do. I, I, I do it a few times. Um, I'm going to have to try and take some breaks at some point because uh, I do spend, spend too much like going, oh, I wonder what people are saying. Oh, let, let, let me just quickly check this. Um, it's the oh, first let, thing let, I let's... pick up every time. It is. Yeah. It's like if my phone's right next to my desk or something, and I, even if I'm editing a video or writing something down, I'll be just like, ah, let me just quickly check Twitter or something yeah. like that. It's, it, it's an ad- addiction. It, it's what we were talking about with algorithms. They're designed to keep you there as long as possible, and they damn yeah. work plus, when it comes to Twitter. And you, and you feel that that notif- that dopamine when you see the notifications and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's horrible. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to end with a few questions for? Uh, both me and you on the stream. Yeah, yeah, I'm down for that. If anyone wants to ask us some questions, 
Um, yeah, anyone from the stream? I know we've been kind of avoiding you guys for a little bit. Sorry, but yeah, yeah if you guys have any questions, <laughs> yeah, um, if you guys have any questions for both me and Inside of Mine and Eric, um, then we can. Well, this will be on his uh, podcast channel. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll wait so for the chat. It's very up. original. <laughs> it's, it's an original podcast, believe it or not. <laughs> We sit down and interview people. How original is that? I know. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's about getting behind the scenes looks at stuff, you know. Uh, yeah, how's exactly. Our get, uh, how's our day been? Oh man, this is gonna be a tough one. Uh, <laughs> it's been hell. No, it's been great. When are we getting a collab? Um, I don't know. What do you want to? You want to answer that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> never. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm I'm not sure, man. I mean, it's it's finding the right topic that would probably fit you and me. Um, I found one that fits obviously someone else. I'm I'm going to be collabing with that's pretty damn awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's just finding something more, that more awesome me like. than uh than than me, dude. I'm just kidding. Uh. <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, you know, no one is as awesome as you, Bally. Oh. <laughs> just thought I'd stroke his ego live. There you go, guys. I'll, I'll just be in the corner over here. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> How is the... No. I do collabs with inside of mine all the time. Yeah, we should do something. Uh, we'll, we'll plan something if the right thing comes along. I'm yeah. like, you're always welcome on my channel, and I... I expect to sit... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> in, in reality, I... I welcome it's not so much. We just have to find time to do things. I know, like, taxes and crap are coming up for me, so... Um. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. I mean, I'm sure there's something out there, because, like I said, we, we do kind of those mystery um, stuff. We have. Um, we have I'm sure, that, sure there's something out there. Let's do I Am Sophie together. You know, we'll do a dramatic reading of all her Twitter. If, 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 that, one's, <laughs> if that one's really good, I will, I'd be down for that, um, because... You know, no, I, I, could become ARG men. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how was the response to your Freudian slip the other day? Barely. Uh, uh, what Freudian slip, you guys? Wait, so I think you're sure. referring to me tweeting about boobs. Um, but okay. <laughs> that's just something I do all the time. Um, but Na naturally, yeah. It's yeah. become a meme now, hasn't it? That that's like your identity. Yeah, my identity is the titty guy. Um, yeah, he's, hey, he's the know. guy that just shuts titties every so often. <laughs> oh man, I think uh, uh, you know, I, I like it. it. It makes memes, and if I can't think of anything funny to say on Twitter, um, then I just type that word. So it's great. Um, that's perfect. Let's, uh, Jamie. Have you held back on a topic? Uh, held back on a topic? Like scrapped one, probably, mm, or one that you really oh. wanted to do. And you couldn't do it. Um, there's been a few, I think, uh, that that a lot of them tend to be part twos and like extra updates on stuff that yeah. I made a video on, and then I come back to it and I'm like, ah, I don't want to do this. I think one of the two, the two ones that I, that are coming to mind right now are. Um, and I mean this in the nicest possible way if any other creators are listening. Um, Luxy and 2H32. 
they these two things I, I ended up covering they're like one of both of them are web series really they're, they're not ARGs or anything like that because they don't have any audience interaction or stuff like that they're just shows um they have a video that goes on YouTube and then that's kind of it the, the story's there um 2H32 I love the cinematography and just the art style but to me it's just a little too um random in every video for me to be hooked and talk about it um and so when I when there was a lot more videos that came out out from it I I, I just kind of watched it and was like I'm really not up for covering this this particular one. I had like a bit of a script starting, and I just eventually was just like, ah, I'm gonna kind of move on from this. Part and then the same part twos. Uh, yeah. Sorry, part twos never do as well as part ones. Um, no, unless if they are all uploaded at the same time. I did a mini series exactly. that work really well. Um, I did a thing called Daisy Brown and Seventy Broad, and. Uh, I, I, I aimed for three parts because I thought that was that was the nicest way I could probably tell a story. It can have a beginning, middle, and end. And the first one does well. second one doesn't do as well when you've uploaded it. And then the third one, once that's done, all three tend to do well because people are watching mm. it the first episode, then they watch the second episode, they watch the third, and YouTube kind of sees that you, they've watched three videos of yours in a row, so they start recommending other stuff and... It, it was Maybe I nice. should finish my my Satoshi series. <laughs> I do think that will help you um, once the third part's out because it can have a bit of a dip. But then once you get yeah, that final saw... one out, more people get recommended the first part because they because YouTube picks up that they're watching those in order. Um, that's, yeah. So so they watch the first part, then the second part is recommended to them up next. Then when they click on that, the third part's recommended to them after that. Um, or at least that's my experience. Yeah, yeah, you put it in a playlist, um, and it yeah. they work quite I, well. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid we um, part three of Satoshi. <laughs> Anyways, are we? Uh, oh, you got a controversial end ending? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We, there's we, one there's one technical thing that I was the entire inspiration for the series, and no one's gonna even make it this far in the podcast to see this. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> there's there's one technical thing that I'm really scared to put out. Because it's something that I need to open, leave open-ended because it's outside of my knowledge, technically. And to get like right. a proper person to know this is almost impossible. I've consulted with some of the people from my Discord who are very knowledgeable. But that being said, there's still a small chance that we both overlook something. Um, and that's what's held me back on making that video. And plus, I needed a break from it. Um, the editing has been so tedious on that series, and I really wanted to make it a polished thing the whole way through. But, um, yeah. Anyways, yeah, that's good to hear, though. Good to hear that series um, do well once you finish them. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they definitely do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they turn into a binge kind of session. Anyway, yeah, I think we've probably gone through everything we plan to go through for this podcast. Belly, it was a pleasure having you on here. Thank you for joining me and Eric. Yeah, thanks for having me on, dude.